When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Dan Rydell, player development coach with the Oakland Junior Grizzlies. Dan joins the podcast lineup with a lot of scouting experience at the junior hockey level holding multiple positions in both Canada and the U.S. His understanding of the trade is second to none, and he offers some great perspectives for those looking to enter the game. With that, here's Dan Rydell, player development coach with the Oakland Junior Grizzlies. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Dan Rydell, player development coach with the Oakland Junior Grizzlies. Dan, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on, and I kind of had a chance here uh, this evening to go through uh, your resume in more detail. I've definitely followed along, you know, on Twitter, LinkedIn, things like that, but uh, some interesting experiences, and, and I think something different than some of the last couple of guests that we've had on the podcast. So really interested to uh, kind of dive into your career and learn more, and then also share with the listeners. But first and foremost, let's learn more about you as a person, maybe talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just give a little more background on you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm from from Rochester, Michigan, and um, I think I had a pretty pretty standard upbringing as far as a hockey player um, here in Michigan. Grew up in the AAA programs, and um, you know, was fortunate. I have a great family, and um, you know, with with hockey, it was it was always what I wanted to do, and uh, was lucky enough to move on and play junior and play Division One at Ferris State, and you know, kind of bounce around professionally and. Um, now back into it coaching. Um, so kind of come full circle, but, uh, yeah, pretty standard upbringing, um, growing up here playing triple a and doing the trip to Toronto, Chicago, Buffalo, and, um, you know, all the classic rivalries here in Detroit and, um, yeah, pretty standard. No, it's great to hear. And I, I'm always interested where kind of people come from and, and move into, uh, the different positions in, in their career, because a lot of times people expect that these people are uh, professional hockey players. And, and sometimes that's definitely the case, but it could be a triple A hockey player and it could be someone at a lower level. And we've even had guests who, you know, never really had hockey uh, growing up and some never even had sports. So it's so diverse in, in the way that we get um, the background of guests and it just kind of comes from all different directions. So Let's uh, let's move into maybe some of your early destinations here and kind of work our way uh, throughout your career. And the first one I want to talk about is uh, actually your schooling at Ferris State. 
mm-hmm. maybe just talk about the the background and getting business administration and and maybe how that kind of uh, maybe set you up for positions in, in management and things like that moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 biggest thing is um, re- regardless of not necessarily d- diminishing the business administration degree, but I think it's it's more um, you know dealing with the um, time management aspect. Uh, playing playing college hockey, you're you know you're on the ice you know for anywhere from between an hour two hours a day, and you know you have uh, I know when I was at Ferris, we had off ice I- at least three days a week. That was another hour. Um, you're managing your courses like any other college student. And, um, you know, so I, I, I think what really sets you up for, for things going forward is time management, um, you, you know, identifying, you know, priorities, um, sometimes learning that you didn't identify them properly and learning from, from good and learning from bad. And, um, you know, business administration for me was, um, I actually went back and finished, um, I took a little different path than most to graduate. Um, I was at school for two years and w- was lucky enough to play some pro hockey. And um, when I got home I and, and retired, I realized, you know, you're, you're not going to do much without finishing the degree. So business administration was actually available um, as, as an online uh, course through Ferris. So I was able to finish where I started. Um, while still living in Detroit and getting my coaching career uh, started and doing some scouting. And, um, you know, so it, it kind of came full circle that way. But uh, I, I think the biggest thing when you when you go to college, especially in your playing sports, is you understand there's only so many hours in a day. And if, if you want to be good at what you're doing, you have to you have to be committed and you have to be detailed. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And ironically, talking about being detailed and and time management and all these different aspects. And, uh, you know, while they're associated with school and a course like that, they're also associated with the field of scouting and scouts. And everybody knows, especially in the junior ranks, that scouting is not a full time job, but it requires full time hours a lot of the time. So sure, uh, that that management of time is so key. And uh, you definitely learned that throughout your career, a number of different scouting positions. And the first one I want to talk about is with Cedar Rapids uh, mm-hmm. in 2013, 2014. Maybe just talk about that initial entry to scouting, even how you kind of got into that field, and then uh, just your initial experience in the USHL of all leagues. Yeah, so I was um, I, w- I was coaching midget, and I actually um, I was working for the league central scouting um, in in a volunteer role. A friend of mine. Sean Clark um, and and Ricky Conley. Uh, Ricky was actually running the scouting, and I, I started working for him. And um, a, a position became available um, with Cedar Rapids. And actually, Rick Conley made the introduction to Mark Carlson. I I had only known Mark um, from playing against you know Cedar Rapids in the league. Uh, we we didn't have any previous relationship. Um, you know, he I reached out to him. Um, through Ricky and we had some conversations and uh, you know just kind of got 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 to feel out what what he was looking for Um, you know he's the GM he's the boss and and he's the coach um, and found that we were pretty like-minded and what we were looking for for, um, in players Um, so that that got my foot in the door Um, and I was also at the time uh, on on their staff was a guy named Jeff Barrett um, who, who was, I mean, he never really had the title, but he was basically the assistant general manager, uh, director of scouting, whatever you want to call it. So, um, I was, I was really, really fortunate that I got to spend 
you know, a lot of time on the phone picking his brain. And, and, and I learned a lot about ranking players and uh, doing the lists. And, and, and Mark was great, um, you know, as I, I ended up working for him again in the, in, in the future. But um, he, w- he was just so great with, with answering questions and giving direction and, um, you know, being demanding in a good way. But, um, you know, really, like you said earlier, you don't just sign up to wear a jacket and go to the rink for an hour. Like it's, you have to love to grind and, and, and be at the rink and then come home and write reports and, 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 and be detailed with it. And, and everything in those first couple of years with Cedar Rapids, with, with the guys I mentioned, and then not to mention the, the countless assistant coaches that, you know, move from there to higher up jobs, um, in the NHL and, you know, coaching college, it, it just, you, you learn so much that it's a collaborative effort. Um, and it was just, it was awesome learning from those guys that the biggest takeaway, I guess, and I'll leave it at this is it was, it never felt like one guy was making a certain pick. Um, it, it felt like everybody was making the pick and that, that was what was so great about it. Yeah. And when scouting staffs work in that manner, when you feel like uh, even though, you know, at the end of the day, it might be one person making the decision, you're still so involved yep. in the decision making process that uh, it, it maybe motivates you to put in that extra effort or uh, look for that extra bit of detail. That, and, and then you feel as if your picks are really counting towards the success of the team, which in junior hockey they are. And everybody knows just how important uh, in those tight windows that junior teams often operate. Uh, how valuable those picks are. And, and you just talked about that staff and, and some of the people there that, um, you know, are really holding you accountable and, and kind of making you take that extra effort uh, in your daily process. And, um, you know, the Ottawa 67s are another organization which from top to bottom have had people go on to the NHL level. You see this year a couple of coaches and and who knows, maybe more on the way, but um, a lot of demand there from that organization for all their staff. So, you were in a, a pretty unique situation where you were actually scouting in both the OHL and the USHL. So um, maybe talk about how you tied yourself into Ottawa and then just maybe the, the dynamic of, of scouting in two leagues and, and the maybe the difference in, in Ottawa compared to Cedar Rapids. Well, the, the, the scouting in two leagues, I, I don't know if I would recommend it, um, uh, you know, considering that you're, you're, you're kind of going after the same pool of players, but it was uh it was a friend of mine that works in, in the agent business, um, had introduced me to Pat Higgins. Um, and Pat was another one. Like he, you talk about one of the greatest human beings ever. Like he took so much time. Um, you know, even at the time with Ottawa being so far from Detroit, um, where I'm at, um, you know, we, we weren't like Windsor London where it was just American American and you tried to bring him in. Like we had to have a, a, a process and, you know, be, be methodical with how we did it. Um, and then, you know, so I got to meet Higgy and, um, I talked to him actually at USA arena and (laughs) it was the best job interview I ever had. He said, uh, so you're, you're my new scout, I guess. And I said, well, I guess I am. And, uh, you know, spoke to, um, you know, Jeff Brown over the phone who was, um, you know, head coach and GM and was very, very fortunate there for two years. Um, again, very like-minded, um, you know, looking for hockey sense and looking for skill, um, and, you know, just really giving me an opportunity to do my job. Um, and, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like 
I, you know, you don't want to use the word validated, but you grind and you're not making a ton of money, but you love what you're doing. Um, so having a boss who calls you and respects you and, you know, even during the draft at times where I was pushing for a certain player from the States, um, you know, to Higgy, it, you know, he didn't, he didn't big time me. He, he explained why we were doing what we were doing and we would get to the player when we could. Um, and there was always a process. And as long as people include you in that process, it's incredible. And um, my favorite story working for Ottawa um, was, you know, I was actually out on the East Coast doing a doing a scouting trip. And I got a call from Jeff Brown asking about Sasha Chemileski. And I, I didn't know what it meant. I was still, you know, very much on the entry level of from from the scouting side. Um, I didn't know what was about to go down and it actually became the Travis Konecki, uh, trade. And <laughs> I'm looking on Twitter and, you know, Travis's name is trending on, uh, on Twitter in Canada. And you, you realize what a big deal it is when you're making those kind of trades. And, uh, the fact that they were able to put the trust in, in my opinion of Sasha, who was in, um, Sarnia at the time, you know, I'm not saying I was the guy that made the deal or anything, but I was one of the people that was called and it was just that's when you get fired up because you know you're included in the process but you also realize you better been doing your work because it's people are putting their jobs on the line um you know every day in this in this business yeah it's a two-way street where you where you want the you want the leash to be able to have your input make a decision but you also have to kind of live with the consequences and and at the same time the people are putting their trust in you as you mentioned and and you know, in some situations to an extreme, putting themselves on the line. So I, I think uh, the best staffs and the ones that have success have that communication open and really rely on each other and, and kind of go in that direction. And uh, that's between the scouts, that, that connection that we talk about there. But there's another connection that we always like to look into with the podcast, and that's between um, elite minor hockey players and their coaches, often in their draft year. And uh, around that same time, uh, when you were just finishing up with Cedar Rapids, you went uh, coaching with Oakland Junior Grizzlies uh, with the 16U team. So maybe just talk about um, the process and working with that age group and, and some of the takeaways that you had, you know, before moving back into the junior game um, in a coaching role here soon after. Well, it, it, it honestly, it's the best. Um, it, you know, the the draft year... You know, obviously in Canada, it's it's more magnified. It's specifically minor midget, and we've gotten there in the United States now with with, with the 15U being more prevalent. But um, you know, my first experience with coaching the the minor midget age kids was uh, the 1999 birth year, and you know, we were I was pretty fortunate to inherit um, you know some some pretty good players, and it was it was headlined by Josh Norris. And you know, the the one thing that was really cool was just to see them see the light bulb kind of go off, you know, on, on, on little things like we, a minor hockey coach doesn't make Josh Norris the talent he is, um, or even, you know, some of the other players we have, like we, you don't take credit for doing anything. They're, they're fantastic players, right? Like the big thing for me was just getting the little things like, you know, paying attention to, I remember the first meeting we had, um, we always ask the players who's the NHL player they pattern their game after. And off the top of my head, I can't remember who he said, but this was right when Jonathan Taves was, you know, the Blackhawks were cranking. And, um, you know, we just talked about modeling his game 
off of him and being a little bit more complete because he dominated offensively like most, um, you know, younger, you know, midget age players do or bandmate players that are just better than everybody else. Um, and, and, and to see him get a little bit better defensively and, you know, I, I mean, he's a complete centerman in the NHL at 21, 22 years old. Um, and, and I think a lot of that was, was buy-in at his, at the midget age. And obviously he's got a great family and, you know, his dad played the game for a long time too. So it's, that's my favorite part of midget hockey is the, the small incremental things that you know are going to impact them at the next level, whether it's defensive hockey or, you know, we're lucky with Oakland. We have great facilities like managing your stall, keeping things clean, you know, details matter. Whenever you're that guy, that's not like the best in the room or the best on the team, you better not give anybody an excuse to send you home. And that's, that's my favorite part about coaching midget is, you know, we're trying to get these kids ready for what's next and whether it's teaching off mistakes that, you know, myself or other coaches have made, um, just trying to give them any little incremental, you know, head start or advantage you can give them. And that's, what's so fun because you, you see it gradually throughout the year. And, um, those light bulb moments, like I like to say is, it's what it's what makes it where you know you get excited to go to the rink yeah no it's it's a great point and and honestly whenever we kind of bring up that that topic coaches tend to have the same um you know the, the same expression in in the way that they just say about preparing for that next level or yep uh, trying to teach them especially in situations where maybe like yourself they they had that junior experience they know what the scouts are looking for and uh, with, with that coaching position, you you were able to gain some more knowledge on on maybe that age group and and things yep. to look for and prepare for the next level. And uh, I'm sure that definitely benefited you continuing to scout. And the next position that you scouted with uh, was with the Windsor Spitfires, a little bit closer uh, than say Ottawa or some of these other organizations. But um, again, walk us through the process of, of joining the Spitfires and uh, just your entire experience with that organization for a couple of seasons. Yeah, they um, well, the, there was there was a pretty significant staff shakeup in in Ottawa, and um, uh, James Boyd came in and 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 had a guy that he had worked with um, in the past in the OHL that was you know in the United States, and um, you know so it was kind of that that was their setup, and um, you know I was lucky enough through um, another another friend in the agent business had actually re- reached out to Warren Reichel. Um, and, you know, me living in, in Michigan, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm closer to Windsor than, than Saginaw or Flint, which is kind of funny, but, um, you know, I drove over and, and sat down with, with Warren and, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a, a pretty short process. He, he explained what they were looking for and, you know, it was, it was similar, um, you know, to, to what most teams are looking for, right? Like the best players and you know, maybe a little bit more emphasis on, uh, you know, physicality and grit and in, in, I, I don't want to say compete level because I think every team looks for that, but um, it was just a little different and then different dynamic too of, you know, you're so close to, to Michigan and Chicago and, you know, Pennsylvania, like everything is so close um, to the border there. It was a different dynamic. We could, we could kind of be a little more aggressive um, with, with the U S kids. So there was a different mentality there of, not just worrying about maybe the the kids that are for sure coming or the kids that are maybe national team kids that might sign or get drafted. It was, 
you, you kind of had a little more flexibility with what you could do. So it was an interesting dynamic there and um, being close enough to see, you know, more games live. Um, you know, I, I, I always will go back one. It's incredibly valuable if you're scouting to, to watch the games in the league you're scouting. And that sounds so like, yeah, obviously. Um, but when you, when you're there and you see how fast it is and you see how big and strong the players are um, and how hard they play, you know, then you go back to watch a minor midget game and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe player a, you know, he has it and player B, eh, he, he might get eaten alive at this level. And you kind of learn who to stick your neck out for um, when you're more in the mix. Yeah, no, I, I think, again, that's another great point. And it's it's a different dynamic uh, working in junior hockey because, you know, at the NHL level, when people think about being the highest level scouts, you know, whenever you draft a kid or, or, or you draft a player, you, you know that it's almost certain, except for some extreme situations, that, you know, they're going to be excited to come to your organization or, or comfortable mm-hmm. to come to your organization. And in junior hockey, um, you know, maybe it takes a little bit longer just because these kids are, you know, 16, 17, uh, 15 years old sometimes when they're drafted. And, uh, you know, it, they're at a different stage in their life. So just being a little bit closer to the U.S. market, as you mentioned, definitely changed things. And um, and then every organization has their identity. And, and while teams are obviously still looking for the, the top player, uh, again, as you mentioned, uh, it just changes from organization to organization. And um, it, as a result, it might change your scouting process as well. And uh, just kind of continuing here with with some of your positions, uh, you continue to coach at the AAA level and, and gain more experience there. And um, after Windsor, you actually joined one more OHL organization, and, and this time it was the Barry Colts. Uh, you know, a, a team that has had success in in bringing in European players, uh, definitely not afraid to dive into the U.S. market as well. So uh, maybe break down your experience with Barry and. And to shed a little more light onto uh, to that season, uh, your last in the OHL or most recent in the OHL. That that was uh, well, Warren Reichel ended up there, um, and so when when he when he ended up there, that that was um, that was a, a, another short phone call, and you know, with with him coaching and being there, um, they had had, I believe. Their their U.S. guy had had gotten a a, a different job. Not I don't think it was in hockey, but I, I I'm not 100% sure. Um, and again, it was an opportunity to do a very very similar role to what I had been doing previously, and um, you know, with knowing the guys involved, and then um, getting to know Jason Ford um, and and Rob Stewart. Um, you know, it was it was you know kind of funny it was kind of uh in between maybe windsor and in ottawa with maybe the aggressiveness with going after the americans um you know we we you know it's close enough um and you know it's a big time organization and, and and there's been players that have had you know obviously gone through and gone to the nhl and had unbelievable careers and um but but still you you're playing that game right like that calculated risk game of um you know, what you, what you're, what you're seeing, um, you know, as far as a talent standpoint and, and, and then the, are they coming? Um, but that year for me was a little bit different because, uh, Detroit had started to transition into, into 15U. So my team, you know, we were playing in, in the Wendy Dufton, we were playing in the Marley tournament, we were playing at the border battle. So you, 
you not only had the experience of like, okay, I, I've, I've learned where these American kids go, are going to go in the draft and kind of how it's going to work. And it's not totally predictable, but it kind of is. Um, if you go back and study the drafts, you can, you can see where teams take their chances and, or if they have a deal worked out, you can see where guys are going to go. But what was really cool is just, you know, getting to play the junior Canadians and the Marlies and, you know, seeing, uh, you know, uh, Ty Nelson go against Rucker McGrory or Hunter Briskevich and, and or Gavin Hayes or any of these guys, U.S. versus Canada. And, and that was that was my favorite year of doing it because you were much closer and you knew the picks, um, not necessarily to the level that, you know, management did or the guys that worked in Toronto. But when they made a pick, you're like, oh, OK, I know this guy. Yeah, that's right. You know, and um so it, it was a different experience, um, but it was a, it was an awesome experience. Everybody involved, they were, they were very helpful, very friendly. And um, it was short and sweet, um, just, just did it the one year, but, uh, you know, learned a lot and um, it was a great experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and just touching on that uh, Junior Grizzlies team as well, uh, you know, a very successful team. You talk about some of the people there, uh, Rucker or McGrory being one of those who maybe stands out just from uh, coverage. And, and Jimmy, his dad, was actually a, a former guest on the podcast as well, people may recognize. But, you know, when you're scouting and, and coaching at the same time and, and definitely with a, a 15U team, like you said, being able to uh, kind of go into the Ontario uh, tournaments, some of the major tournaments that you touched on, uh, the you know the the border battle and the Wendy Dufton and these tournaments like um, around that area I, th- I think it just adds a, a different perspective uh, from scouting but then the relatability as you mentioned you know being able to uh, kind of share the draft day which is something that's always exciting around that draft year uh, from a coaching perspective but also uh, maybe fighting for your guys or or looking to see where they're going to go uh, from an OHL draft perspective and you know, you, you had success there definitely with that team and, and in the OHL scouting and um, an opportunity came to actually move back to where it all started for you with Cedar Rapids, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, in a director of player personnel role and uh, eventually moving into an assistant coach role as well. So walk us through the opportunity to go back to the USHL and then maybe the opportunity as well to eventually uh, go on the bench uh, in December of 2020. Well, it's, 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 um, and you, you'll appreciate this. This is, you know, live and, 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 uh, <laughs> we, we actually didn't, we didn't play. Um, you know, so I got, I, I, I got the job, um, in the, in the summertime. Um, and, you know, we had talked about the title and, you know, it, it was kind of important to me after, you know, years of scouting to, to, you know, hopefully kind of run, run, run a staff a little bit, you know, um, and so there, there was actually a, um, you know, obviously everything with COVID, everybody's well aware of that. Um, and on top of that, there was a, a storm um, that hit that hit the Iowa area, um, especially Cedar Rapids, um, very, very hard. And um, there, there was so much damage done to the building that it, we, we actually didn't play. Um, so you want to talk about a unique experience from from a scouting standpoint, I mean, we, we, we had put together our, we were already at the point where we had put together our 30 man list and we're, we're talking about our depth chart and what felt comfortable, what we had going into the year. We were having zoom calls, um, led by, you know, coach Carlson and, 
Um, you know, and I, I can't remember the exact date. Everything was, you know, happened so fast, but it just got to the point where it wasn't, it, it wasn't manageable to play. Um, so then the players got dispersed throughout the league. Um, you know, I thought the league did a really good job of finding guys homes. And it, it was really unfortunate because, you know, Mark, um, coach Carlson, you know, he, he puts everything he has into that team and, you know, just seeing the emotion from him when, and, in the players, um, you know, who had been there for, you know, anywhere between one and three years, uh, that, that they had to go somewhere else, the players and, and, you know, coach had coached for 20 years and he wasn't going to coach. So then we kind of, you know, stopped feeling sorry for ourselves, And then we got into, okay, what players did we protect? And, uh, you know, what was it going to look like, like going forward? And it basically turned into an entire year of, of preparing for the draft. And um, it was a, it was really a unique experience. I got to, I got to learn so much because every single day I was on the phone with coach Carlson and with all his experience. And um, he actually got to travel way more than any, any year because he, you know, normally would be behind the BB behind the bench and, um, you know, just spending time with him at tournaments and uh, watching games and, you know, getting his input and, and learning, um, you know, so it was, it was interesting. We, we, we kind of, kind of we're joking that we're kind of like Vegas. Um, we were, we we're just watching everybody else play and, and, and figure it out and try to have a home run draft. And it, it, we had a really great staff. And as you, as you know, a lot of the guys on the staff, you know, volunteering, uh, working for an opportunity to be at a higher level and everybody worked so hard, um, you know, and, 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 and a lot of it was on video. So, you know, with travel restrictions, you had to rely on guys on the East Coast to to really know the the East Coast, and you had to rely on guys in Minnesota to really know Minnesota, and, and go on and on and on. Um, but it was a, it was an incredible experience. Um, you know, I, I felt like we did a really good job, and you know, it's like scouting. I mean, we'll find out. Uh, the, the team just started playing exhibition games, I think, like about a week ago, and um, you know, I think they're built for success and um, but yeah, it was a it was a pretty wild experience getting getting a job as uh, director of player personnel and 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 then there being no team. Um, but it's an experience that I'll take with me, and I certainly believe I learned a lot going forward. Uh, you know, to whatever I do in the future. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I think you know last year was was difficult for a lot of people, but it, it's ironic in the way that even speaking with other scouts and other people on the podcast that. A lot of people kind of took the opportunity, maybe the downtime and, and you know, not grinding in the same way that you usually expect in, you know, November, December, January, these these months where, uh, you know, half the time you're on the road, another half of the time you're in the rink. So you can kind of take more time to do your due diligence, uh, you know, where possible, obviously, with the with the COVID restrictions and, and travel restrictions. So uh, being able to, you know, use video or have daily conversations or uh, even give your scouts uh, on your staff some more responsibility and, and help that, you know, down the road, it helps them. And, um, and then now having a team that is, is kind of a byproduct of, of that extended process slash year. Now you can kind of see, uh, you know, this season in the next season, you know, what works, what doesn't, and, and maybe how you can improve. And I, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things as a scout is just looking at how you can improve and implement new things. On the topic of new things, support for this week's episode is brought to you by DraftKings. 
Week one of the NFL season may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now back to the interview with Dan Rydell, player development coach with the Oakland Junior Grizzlies. Uh, obviously this past season with video, uh, you know, a very different draft process for sure. Just maybe looking at when you started w- with Cedar Rapids uh, in that mm-hmm. first year and, and looking at now, uh, do you find your scouting process has changed much or, or even just the kind of the way you evaluate players uh, in a general sense? Well, I think the biggest thing going from when you first start doing it um, to for me anyway, is you, you, you're not like everybody who's doing this is really good at it. And, you know, you, you, you don't have to act smarter or pretend you're smarter than anybody else. You just have to do your job and trust your instincts. Um, know, know what you're looking for. Um, know what your boss is looking for more importantly. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is it's it just, it's not trying to outsmart yourself, not trying to be the coolest guy in the room, not trying to think you're more important than you are. You're a part of a staff, whether you're a scout, you're a director of player personnel. Um, you know, if everybody's, you know, towing the rope in the same direction, like you're going to be in good shape. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned. And, and you touched on video. Um, I believe you can get so much accomplished on video, um, especially now when you have companies like Instat and, uh, you know, you kind of get that direct quick. You can go shift by shift. Um, I still believe the in-person viewings or even if you're watching the video, watching the entire video, um, like watching the entire game. So you're not just getting those, you know, you're, you're, you're targeting on a player, but you don't know what happened to shift before that led to, you know, maybe the transition chance or, 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 or the poor play defensively. Um, but, but I think you can, you can manage your time a lot better. Um, you can use video to identify, you can, um, or, or use it to confirm, you know, you see, um, for example, um, one of the teams we tracked a lot this year was mid Fairfield and, or I'm sorry, this past year was mid Fairfield. And, you know, we were, I was lucky enough to see them live a few times, but when, when you're looking at drafting them, you want to get more viewings and you, you had to use different platforms. And at the end of the day, if you put in the work and, and you do the research and call the right people um, that you trust or have been in the business for a long time and just, just taking their word for it. Um, if you've talked to an agent who's been an agent for 20, 30 years and has a track record, you know, just, you're not smarter than him. Take his advice. Take his advice on a player and, and, and take the player. And that's that's probably the biggest thing in this past year is just learning to trust 
people in the hockey world who are smart and have been around um, and, and not feeling, like I said earlier, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You just have to work hard and, and, and do your job. No, that, I think that's another just outstanding point in the fact that, uh, you know, just again, life is a scout. A lot of times it can be isolated, but you still feel like you're part of the team. And as that grows, your your effort grows, your commitment grows. And, and you talk about being, you know, maybe not the smartest person in the room, but the hardest working person. And I, I wholeheartedly think that's the, the best way to kind of grow as a person and, and being around hockey minds and people who are who are smart it's it's just you know it, it goes such a long way in your own development and as a coach uh, a lot of coaches have talked about that same mindset but having players with high skill sets high iqs and and kind of learning the game through their eyes and uh, maybe just going back to the oakland junior grizzlies team uh, that 15 u team that had a lot of uh, great success in in the draft uh, you know these players like uh, mcgrory and uh, and Gavin Hayes, a player who I, I really liked for his play. Um, how often do you find yourself maybe learning from these players and uh, over the last couple of seasons with the organization, uh, just how much have you learned and, and maybe changed your mindset on, on certain things within the game, uh, maybe from a coaching perspective this time? Well, it just unfortunately, just to clarify, Gavin Hayes was on CompuWare. So the unfortunate side was is he scored a lot of goals against us. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, um, you know, we, we when you talk about a kid like Rucker, um, you know, specifically, it's just it's it's like the willingness. They just have like that that juice. Right. Like they they, they make everybody around them better. Um, and we were fortunate. We had a really, really good locker room that year, too. I mean, you had Hunter Berskevich, Jonah Egerter, uh, Nathan Lewis, um, you know, Johnny Emmons, who was kind of our guy that never really said anything, but just worked, you know, worked his tail off every day. Um, but then you go back to a kid like Rucker and I was actually on the ice with one of our teams last night in our program and, and, and the practice was kind of quiet. Um, and, and, and there was a couple drills that weren't done properly. And it was, the comment was, Oh, the forwards don't know the drill. Um, and, and I found with the like the best teams and the best players that I've been around, you know, the, the, the thing about a kid like Rucker or Josh Norris or any of the kids that have came through here and had success um, is they will, if, if somebody doesn't know the drill, they'll tell them. Or if they mess up a drill a few times, they'll hold them accountable. But my favorite part about guys like that, and I show clips a ton on this stuff, is you know, I, I can't, I don't even, I think Rucker might've scored 90 goals for us or it was something insane, but he would celebrate harder when our third or fourth line player would score. And to me, that's where you get into, okay, this is a special kid. This is a special person and, and comes from a great family. Um, and, and, and that's really what hockey's all about. Um, and, the, the team I was on the ice with last night, I, I told them after the practice, I said, when you guys get to the point where your practices have juice, everybody's hooting and hollering, it doesn't matter where your talent is because you're going to compete when it comes to, you know, playoff time, state tournaments, playoffs, you're going to be a hard out, right? And that, that to me is the biggest takeaway in all the years I've done coaching is if you have the group excited to be there they're they're having fun and they're working hard i mean at the end of the day it's youth hockey it's important you know it's their draft year the national program but like 
you know, that stuff can be its own stress, but when it's time to go, it's time to compete and it's time to practice. And if you're supporting your teammates, like you're going to be successful. And that was the best thing about that year and the years in the past is like every single kid rooted for everybody else's success. Um, and, and then it's easy, then it's easy to coach because you don't have to deal with the little headaches that can derail a team in a hurry. Yeah, and in minor hockey, uh, maybe not the elite levels, but there's definitely stories throughout different levels. Just, you know, sometimes you it, it's more important maybe to to have the team set off the ice and then work on the off ice later than, than vice versa, just because, uh, again, it's a different stage in kids' development and, and there's different lessons to be learned, as you hinted at before, just, you know, making sure the dressing room's clean, making sure their, their locker is well taken care of, all these different things that uh, go into development both on and off the ice. Um, another question that I have for you and, and kind of going, uh, back to your, your time in scouting in, in both Canada and the U S, uh, in, in the OHL, one of the things that you talked about a few times was just the, um, the difference in, in kind of looking at American players and, and everybody knows that, um, you know, so many different options around that age group with college commitments in the USHL and, you know, just being an Ontario base league, uh, for the most part, it, it offers a different perspective there, but, Maybe flipping it around and looking at the USHL, um, do do teams have that same outlook on maybe trying to track Canadian players? And maybe without being too specific, just talk about uh, maybe the overall outlook for uh, attracting Canadians maybe south of the border and into some of these different leagues. Well, I think it's, um, you know, each team is different in their approach. Um, but I think it all goes back to what's the, you know, one of the most important things in scouting is gathering information. And, you know, I know in the process of dealing with the Canadian players, it was, it was making sure you talk to the families, um, you know, making sure you talk to the agents, um, make sure you talk to people involved. Um, you know, because more and more Canadians do want to come to the USHL now because it's, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal to play division one college hockey and, you know, the USHL is doing a tremendous job of pushing kids and, and having NHL draft picks. I mean, it seems like every year they're setting records for for how many kids are picked. Um, but I, I, I think the big thing is, is, you know, you it, it's a little bit less um, kind of that calculated risk um, that that it would be with Major Junior is is more. It's, um, you know, the, the best advice I got is you have to gather your information, but it's still a draft, you know, and you have to identify a player. You have to take their skill set, um, you know, their character, their, their, you know, on ice um, ability, and then marry it with the risk of, you know, especially in like phase one for, for the USHL with the younger kids. Um, you know, he's probably not going to play on our team next year. If, if he, if he's not ready in two years, does that mean he goes to the BCHL or, you know, the Alberta league or turns major junior? So you, you kind of cal- you, you weigh all that stuff, but but at the end of the day, when you if you have a conversation with the kids and the family, and you, you just gotta trust your gut, and sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. But if you like I've alluded to before, if if you've done the homework and and you've gathered the information, you know the odds are going to be in your favor. Yeah, and, and spoken like a true scout there, and just evaluating that process, and people who are in the game definitely understand just how much goes into the draft process, and and trusting your gut just becomes a um, you know second nature as you kind of move along in your career, and uh, that's you know that's great advice, and and something that I'm sure others will take into account when look, listening to this interview, and 
another way, um, in addition to these conversations that I like to learn and others who listen to the podcast and others who have been on the podcast is, is through resources. And, and it could be things like books or articles or, or presentations or, or anything along these lines. So I guess just an open question to you. Is there anything that you look to for references? And it, it could be in hockey or, or anything uh, involving sports or even just life in general. Yeah, so outside of, you know, the generic answer you and I discussed earlier of, you know, people, um, you know, one of the things I, I got really into, especially during, you know, COVID and, um, you know, the pandemic, like with all the staying at home and um, before he left to work for Pittsburgh, um, I, I, I had a, I had subscribed to Hockey Central, um, you know, on 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 a podcast and, and I would listen to Brian Burke, you know, at, on the one hour show, um, basically every day, like I would walk my dog and I would listen to him and listen to his stories. I read his book. Um, I listened to, you know, a lot of leadership podcast stuff. Um, you know, urban Meyer, um, has a lot of great stuff and, um, you know, you get books past your way. There's, there's a great book. Uh, uh, I think it's called a cut the Cubs way talks about like Theo Epstein and you know how they built everything there. So, I mean, it's just, it depends on who you are, but for me, I I'm, I'm a sports junkie, um, kind of the geek. Like I always like playing the GM mode, even in the video games, I'm, I'm 35 years old and I'm telling you that, um, but I, I just like gathering information. I like listening to, you know, Bill Belichick stuff or, or how they do things at the Patriots or the, the Detroit Lions here hired a guy from, from the Rams to be the general manager and listening to all his process coming up to the draft. And, you know, you, you, I guess where I'm going with it is it doesn't just have to be hockey because we work in hockey. Um, you know, you could take lessons from every sport. You could take lessons from lessons from business culture. Um, you know, just whatever works for you. Some people don't like to read. Well, now you can listen to everything. And, um, that's really helped me because I, I prefer to listen to the podcast as opposed to reading the books, but, um, just, just listening, you know, because you never know what you're going to hear, um, that may click with you and, and it may help you in doing what, what you're doing, especially with scouting, you know, team a in the NFL is looking for a certain thing and you may grab one of the five things they're talking about and it may help you in your scouting career. So that, that for me has been kind of cool. And then, like I said, listening to Berkey and um, you know, Anthony Stewart and those guys talk every day was, you know, cause we don't get that on normal radio here. So it was kind of cool. I discovered the podcast and, um, you know, I, I don't know how long he was there before he went to Pittsburgh, but I know I've been, you know, a pretty religious listener over the last year and, you know, even 31 thoughts and I could go on and on with the hockey podcast, but you know, just listen, you know, there's great stories and stuff you can pick up. Yeah. And, and you talk about some of those, uh, podcasts there, just, you know, the, the 31 thoughts, the hockey central and, um, you know, great hockey minds and, and even better ones featured at different times. So, uh, great resources and, and even the ones that you talked about in different sports and, and these different avenues. I think it goes a long way in learning. And, um, you know, when, when people talk about uh, listening and learning uh, from people within the game, you know, uh, having interviews like this and conversations that are live and public uh, go a long way in, in helping people who aren't in the game kind of gain that understanding. But uh, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that uh, behind closed doors and in the coach's room before and after the game and 
I'm kind of experiencing it now here the last couple of years. You learn so much more in those conversations. And uh, oftentimes the people you work with uh, and the people in management roles, especially end up being kind of mentors to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, even when the age difference maybe isn't that big. So uh, for you, maybe just go over some of the key mentors who have helped you thus far in your career and maybe just talk about the general lessons that they have taught you overall. Well, I think the, like the, 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 the biggest, uh, I, I would probably have two. Um, you know, I grew up playing. Um, so, so Mike Liu, um, who, who works with Octagon sports agency, I grew up playing with his son, Justin. Um, and, and from the time I was a player um, in my, in my mediocre pro career, um, he was always honest with me, uh, whether it was, I wasn't doing enough, you know, off ice or, you know, needed to do some things differently and, and, and then getting into the coaching world and the scouting world and, you know, really being available for me. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, that, that's dealing with millions of dollars and in, in clients on, and, and, and has time for me. Um, you know, so he, he's been amazing from that standpoint, just always there to pick up the phone. Um, and then, uh, I, have been fortunate, you know, kind of full circle with my coaching career. Um, the first team I ever got to coach, I was actually an assistant coach, basically a volunteer when I finished playing with, um, little Caesars and Christian Wallanen was on the team and his dad, Craig, who played a number of years in the NHL, um, was kind of at the point where he was ready to push his son, you know, to hear a different voice. Um, so he really kind of mentored me. We actually, that was when little Caesars, we were practicing at Joe Lewis and, uh, we were both living in the same town at the time and and he would pick me up and we would drive there and back. It was, you know, about 40 minutes each way. And he would, uh, again, another guy, he didn't need to do it. He would answer all my questions. We would talk, he would tell me, honestly, hold me accountable, um, and then it was funny as, as his son moved on to the USHL in North Dakota and now to pro, um, I, I, I got him out of retirement for that uh, U15 team with Hunter and, and Rucker and Jonah and all those guys. And we coached together the last two years. And uh, we actually worked with a, a number of pro and junior kids in the summertime together. Um, and I was on the ice with his, his, his team last night. So Craig willannon has been, been, been fantastic for me just, not just the hockey part of it, but, but just understanding how important it is, you know, and, and along with Mike and it, just being there for people, never being too busy to pick up the phone or, or, or help um, or, or somebody to talk to. And, and, and that goes so far, um, especially for somebody like me who has it far, who's far from having it figured out. That's for sure. Yeah. Anytime that you have these, uh, these people who have obviously had their experiences as whether it's players or coaches or scouts or, or just longtime fans of the game, uh, when they're willing to answer all your questions and hold you accountable, I I think accountability has, has kind of become a theme in this podcast episode is, is so key, uh, in the scouting position, the coaching position, uh, for a young guy like yourself. And, uh, you know, as as you kind of develop these uh, understandings uh, from their lessons, from their guidance, from the, the conversations and the banter and, and everything else that goes with it, uh, you start to develop your own understanding of the game. And and eventually you get to a position where I think uh, moving into maybe more of a management role now, you talked about wanting to run your own staff. 
uh, you're in a situation where you can start to offer advice back to those looking to get into the game. So as a final question today on the podcast and one that we asked everybody, if you could go back in time to yourself, maybe when you were just about to get into the, the hockey operations field, or if you're talking to someone who's also in that position, what's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Uh, well, I, I, I just think the, the willingness to, to be open um, and, and, and understand that it is a collaboration. And I know I've said that before, but it, you're not going to get very far in hockey um, being selfish uh, being an individual, um, thinking you're ahead of anybody else. It's, it's a lot of just, you know, put your head down and do your job. And a lot of the guys that I've worked with who have been fortunate enough to move on to the NHL or, or really good college jobs or, or major junior jobs, it's just, you know, they're, they're always the people that other people want to see. Um, meaning it's 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 is as much as being good at your job as it is being a good person um and i just i find that to be so true i i very rarely see guys who are individuals or 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 don't do things to help others um be successful um and and the people that are good to you stick with them um i think is important too because um you know you it's hard to get good jobs in, in sports because everybody wants to do it. And if you find somebody who res- respects you and, you know, believes in your talent and, and, and can help you stick with them, learn from them, challenge them, let them challenge you and, you know, understand <laughs> it, it's not always going to be fun. I, I think one of my years in the OHL, I, I can't remember specifically which one, but we, we went 15 rounds and didn't take an American. And that's a long time to sit there. Um, after a year of work, but you understand it's for a greater good and it's about the team and it's, it's not about yourself. And I think if you do that and you go into it with that understanding, you know, if you put in the work and you have the skill set, things, you know, things will work out for you. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, that's the way you have to approach it. And, and I think people are successful um, when they follow that mindset. So Tremendous advice there. And at the end of a great interview, Dan, I just want to, again, thank you for taking some time today to join me on the podcast. Uh, listeners may or may not realize that you are uh, actually sitting in the uh, the parking lot of a, of a rink right now, getting ready to go on the ice. So again, thanks for taking some time and best of luck with the practice and, and the following year. Yeah, thanks so much. And I think we did a pretty good job. Not so bad coming out of the bullpen here at the last moment. So I, uh, I appreciate your time and, and, and thanks again. All right, for sure. Take care and all the best. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, Definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan 
and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Dan for joining me on short notice and giving as much detail on the game as he did. As Dan looks to transition to his next role, it's safe to say it will be a quick transition and I look forward to hearing where his next destination is. If you would like to get in touch with Dan to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Tune into our social media as we continue to release new guests here in the near future. And once again, thank you everyone for supporting the podcast and be sure to give us your thoughts and opinions on the show on our various social media platforms. As always, stay safe and all the best.